welcome. You've got mail. Welcome to the premiere edition of Tech Stream with Shelley Palmer and Seth Everett. I'm Seth, he's Shelley, and we come to you for tech. And I am so excited. We are finally getting this podcast off the ground. It's been a long time coming, Seth. It really has. This is the slowest rollout of something that was going to happen next week. I think it's ever happened ever. But here we are. We're going to be talking about all aspects of tech. This is not going to be for people that only are in the tech industry. You don't have to be. And it's not going to be for novices either. We are not going to tell you how to turn on your location services or make sure you update your iPhone. That's not what we're here for. What, what but, we're going by to the talk way, you about... should turn on off location services and you should update your iPhone. But we'll leave that for another day. Thanks for joining us on the episode one. <laughs> But what we are going to do is we're going to talk about aspects that either people are already thinking about or should be. Now, when I thought of this podcast and when I reached out to Shelly, seeing if he would be interested in doing this podcast, it was during the summer of 2020 when I was rebuilding my home computer and I'm a radio broadcaster, so my computer is also my studio. And I was realizing that my 2014, you know, <laughs> uh, Dell computer was just getting hot all the time because I was doing too much on it. Yeah, well, I mean, 2014, there's end of life and then there's 2014. Sure, sure. And I, and I get that. I was doing research and anybody who said this statement to me said it with such vigor and I needed to make sure this was something that the mass media knew or the mass audience knew. And that is, if you're really into technology, PCs are better than Macs. Oh. And it's funny because that's not what Apple will have you believe. Nope. And it's so interesting because we recently got a family Mac for our kids to use. And, and you know, we didn't know it was going to be for homeschooling, but mm -hmm. it is. But oh my God, that thing's so much slower than my computer now. And it's not just about a graphics card and it's not just about a processor. Has Windows really evolved to such a level that it's not the nerdy thing that I remember from the commercial? No, actually the world has probably more deeply bifurcated Seth now than ever before. There's a world of hardcore PC, there's a world of gaming PC, and then there's a world of Mac, and they are really different worlds. To say that a Mac is faster or slower, it really depends what you're doing, what you're running, and what the configuration is. When we go online, we're not really taxing the processor of the computer, so it doesn't matter how big and bad the CPU is. It has more to do with the graphics card and the quality of your internet connection and the modem that you have and the router that you're on. Are you on Wi-Fi? Are you uh, wired with ethernet? All of that figures into what your experience is fast or slow. And as we start to use uh, SaaS services online, you know, we, everybody's using, used to using an email client like Gmail or, or exchange, which is always off-premises, right? It's always remote to you. But now so many of the, the programs we use, Google Docs, Google Sheets, 
doesn't matter what it is, QuickBooks online, they're all online programs. And however fast their servers are also play, plays a giant role in what you feel your experience is. But a couple of things have happened that are, are pretty spectacular. One, our friends in PC land have had a lot of competition for a long time. And AMD and Intel have been going at it for years. And the world of AI and video gaming and cryptocurrency all kind of come together and the technology organizations have risen to the challenge. So companies like AMD are making amazing CPUs that have left Intel in the dust. And now Intel is turned around and said, well, we're, we'll make chips for other people. Like, okay, maybe we can't design them as well as others. And that's an amazing admission from a company that basically invented the chip business. And now we well, find but it. You're, but hold on, let me cut you off there. You're saying something that I don't think a lot of mainstream people realize. And that is AMDs are better than Intel. And do you know how many companies will put on their website, get an Intel 7, get an Intel 9? That's the biggest advertiser. Yeah. And it's because that company's pushing them. And everyone who's in the know, quote unquote, says, wait a minute, you don't get an Intel computer. If you're building a, a, a major mama jama computer, you are doing it with an AMD. Yeah, you probably are. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of misunderstandings about all of that. Um, AMD has a bunch of different kinds of processors. They, they have their Threadripper line that have many, many cores. They can get a 64 core AMD Threadripper, but you can also get a 16 core, really super fast AMD chip. And all of your programs that you're running may not take advantage of the additional cores or the capabilities of the processor. So just to put a button on this, we can talk long and hard about whether Intel is more interesting than AMD or what the use cases are. The graphics cards matter a lot. NVIDIA has done, and AMD too, done an amazing amount of work in graphics cards. They are the GPU, graphics processing unit, is used right. for crypto mining. It's used for graphics, video gaming, and AI calculations. So if you're doing that, Macs don't deal with that. Not yet, not, that, not, not in the way that the PCs do. So if you, Seth, are building a giant, honking, you know, podcasting computer, and you want to have a lot of audio capability, that actually does rely very heavily on the CPU and RAM, a lot of RAM. So yeah, you could do it on a Mac, but there's a lot, you can easily do it on Windows. If you were mining crypto, you'd want to be doing it on the hard, hardest core GPU you could find. If you were doing AI calculations, you could do it on either one. It, it, it's all about what you're going to do. So I think it's still a religion. It's still faith-based. Uh, I could get into a lot of trouble saying Mac is better than PC or PC is better than Mac. And I always say, what are you going to use it for? And then we'll talk about what the best system is. And then there's also the money because, you know, Apple is just, you can't spend more money on anything than an Apple product. It's just the most money ever. But, you know, it's funny when people talk about Apple and I'm an Apple fan. I, I, I'm an Apple fan in that I have been an early adopter of the iPhone. I mean, I, I was loyal to the Palm Pre. Mm -hmm. that'll, that'll date me. <laughs> yeah. But, but the iPhone to me is fascinating. iPads are fascinating. I got rid of cable two, three years ago now. Uh, and I'm Apple TV all the way and all my apps are synced and everything that I watch is smarter now. Never once did I mention the Mac. 
And I have been turned off by the Mac interface. And it just seems to be as much as I love an iPad, I can't stand the Mac. And is that, is that because of how I was I raised as a PC? Is that because I was a windows 98 guy? Is is that the reason? No, you know, look, they are, they're very similar in their capability sets. The user experience is very different. I tell you what though, it's never been easier to do both at the same time. And it, they've never been more similar. And most of that has to do with the amount of cloud computing that we're all doing. So many things we rely on every single day, work in the browser and a browser's a browser. So if you're running Chrome on a Mac, you're running Chrome on Windows, you don't, you don't really, it's Chrome, you're done. And I think for, for me personally, Google Sync, syncing Chrome across all of my devices is more valuable to me than anything else. Uh, that's probably the trick that, that saves me the most time. Well, and also installing a computer super fast. Well, yeah, I mean, look, onboarding a PC in the old days and the old days being, I'll call it five, seven years ago was a half hour, 45 minutes. 10 years ago, it was a day. Now it's 30 seconds. I mean, literally it's here, open, open these tabs, sign in, go. Minutes, I, yeah. You know, it's a different world. And so I, you know, Mac versus PC, I think what's really important is having a computer. And the thing that my, my, my biggest personal pause right now is making sure that we close the digital divide. We've got so many kids out there that were forced to learn from home and go online. They didn't have the, the bandwidth they needed. They didn't have the connectivity they needed. And even if they did, they didn't have the, the technology, they didn't have the computers. I mean, a Chromebook would do, and even worse, they didn't have a, a space to work in that was, you know, conducive to the education that they were trying to to get. So yeah, tech can, can serve a really important purpose in your life, but you have to be, you have to have access to it. And then you have, you have to be able to be in an environment where you can use it. And so to me, Mac or PC is less important than having the right technology, having the right connectivity. And for that, I hope people will, will do what they can to encourage our uh, political leaders and also huh you know, our uh, uh, schools to sort of, although I have to say, I've done a bunch of PTA meetings this year and I have been so impressed with the teachers and the, the way that the teachers have stepped it up. Sometimes the school administrators and the budgets don't allow, but the, the individual teachers have done some stuff that's just, it's just amazing how really creative people have gotten in teaching over the last 12 months. It's, it's fantastic. You know, there's a lot of creative ways though that I'm learning and I'm just an observer because I have two kids. I, I there's a lot of creative ways that are cheat uh, to cheat right now. There are so many things that if you were a sophomore in high school and you're listening to this podcast, I'm telling you, man, you had a better year than if you were in class <laughs> because the ways we used to cheat were very, very different than the ways that kids do now. You know, years ago, teachers figured out that they should Google certain things. When a phrase doesn't sound like a child might have written it, there is a good <laughs> chance it, it may have originated somewhere else. The number of programs that are available now that automatically take scan a document that a student submits and goes and looks to make sure that it's original it's pretty spectacular. I and think they, they have these tracking software now where you can't log on to certain things during the hours of school. Right. 
there are a fair number, and I'm, I won't mention them here because I, I don't want to uh, promote this behavior, but there are a fair number of machine learning tools and AI models that write very compelling summaries and very compelling prose. And if clever students were to, let's say, find their way into those programs for their schoolwork, as opposed to you and I writing copy that way for variations of copy, it's going to get harder and harder for teachers. It's an arms race. And by the way, it should be that, you know, let's keep, let's keep the educational system right on its toes. Kids always figure out a way to get an edge. There's a lot at stake. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't think we're going to promote that here on the podcast though. No. But, however, if you email me, uh, if you want to reach out <laughs> Shelly at ShellyPalmer.com, I'm totally happy to point you to a bunch of, of programs you should be aware of, but I don't think I want to promote them here. You said that Macs and PCs are more together than they ever have been before. Um, that wasn't always the case. And it used to be that disks, you know, external drives weren't compatible with, you know, both formats. You couldn't move files from one to the other. Um, do you think that a Mac device will ever be superior in terms of interface? You know, it's easy to say Microsoft was doing it faster, but I don't think that's relevant now. I don't think the past is relevant now. I think that today's day and age, Windows 10, and they're not updating Windows 10. They're just going to keep upgrading Windows 10. They're not going to make Windows 11 or 12 or 13. It just seems like they're thinking of everything, whereas Mac is reinventing itself every six months. So, um, no, that's actually, I mean, humbly, that's not, that's not what's happening. Apple actually has just completely changed the world. Uh, their new M1 chip architecture is a giant leap towards the way you think about making a PC. For years, PCs have all been separate. The CPU, central processing unit, is the core of the computer. That's the computer part. Then there's been RAM, random access memory, ROM, read-only memory, where firmware lives, that maybe the BIOS lives there, which tells the computer what it is. You'd have a, a GPU, a graphics processing unit, or a graphics card, or a, what used to be called a video, straight-up video card. Then there were peripherals, and the peripherals might include a network card, might include a sound card, you know, things that you would use peripherally. And all of those sat on a motherboard. And the speed of the bus of the motherboard had an awful lot to do with your experience. So an expensive motherboard was probably going to work better. The clock of the CPU or the clock of the computer itself. And now they have coolant gel. Yeah, yeah, they, that's right. I mean, but the, the speed of, of the monitoring of all the peripherals and, all, and, and the way the CPU looked at all of the computer that it was around it had an awful lot to do with what the computer could and couldn't do. That has always been the bottleneck. You could have a ton of RAM, but if the clock speed isn't fast enough and you can't look at it fast enough, then it doesn't matter. You could have very fast RAM, but the motherboard's too slow. Like you have to match everything. And this has been the way it has been literally, Seth, since the very beginning, since the Apple II Plus, since the Heathkit personal computers, it, forever. There have always been these separate components. Just now, a couple months back, Apple introduced their new M1 chip computers. The first one was the 13-inch MacBook Pro. And the only thing you can say when you turn that computer on is, oh my God, it is the fastest. It is the most remarkable consumer experience. They're about to bring out their 16-inch version of this and a whole bunch of others. 
they completely reinvented the architecture of the computer from the ground up. Everything is on this chip. It doesn't resemble a computer the way anyone who's ever built a computer thinks about a computer. And so they're in their own world. And it is remarkable how magnificent what they just did is. Now, not to be outdone, and again, this is about use case more than anything else. I just ordered the most insane Windows computer that I could imagine ordering for a very specific purpose, completely tuned to streaming live. That's all it's for. And I ordered another computer completely tuned for encoding 4K and 8K video because that's the workflow that we're starting to work in now. We're shooting in 4K, just got our first 8K cameras in. We've had 6K cameras for a while. We just got the first 8K cameras in. These are giant files. These are massive amounts of data going back and forth. You need all kinds of horsepower to make this work. And so the world is now dividing itself into very special purpose devices and very general purpose devices. And the internet and cloud computing and cloud storage have changed that game too. A student can get away with a Chromebook that just can get to the internet quickly. And then all the computing is done in the cloud and all the storage is in the cloud. And they don't need very much locally at all. Decent graphics card, you can have a really good experience. And so all the arguments about Mac versus PC, all of that's done. But I have to say, Tim Cook, kudos where kudos are due. Um, my little 13-inch M1 MacBook Pro, um, yeah, is like, this is the next coming of the Lord in a Mac. It, and I cannot wait to see what happens when they start to put this kind of horsepower in grown-up computers. Like I'm See, and that and that's yeah, interesting because because I saw the Apple keynote when they announced it. And everything that you saw written about it was, oh, well, they're not getting their chips from China anymore. Boy, is Apple finally going to do their thing. Like, I didn't think that was what it was about. And I didn't think that AMD or Intel gave a crap what Apple was doing. It's interesting to hear you say that. It, well, I'll tell you, Apple's got this thing, um, ACPC, Always Connected Personal Computer. And they've been working on that for a while where... Uh, iOS, iPad OS, watch OS, and Mac OS kind of all yield, starting to feel the same. They're trying to add as many components as possible to, to unify that experience. Series available everywhere. So this is going to take them down that road. But wow, I got to tell you, I was just so impressed. I was so impressed with the 13-inch MacBook Pro with the M1 chip. I just didn't know what to do with myself. So yeah, it, it's a big change. And I think we're gonna see even bigger changes because the gamers are asking for very specific stuff, the frame rates, the ability. And by the way, as go the gamers, so goes augmented reality and mixed reality and all the things are about to happen in like entertainment and our experiences in the real world. You know, That's out not a niche thing. Like everybody no. said to me, when you're building, do what the gamers do. The gamers know how to do it right. Get anything that a gamer computer can do, <laughs> you can do with your dumb podcast. Don't worry about it. That's, that, that's basically true. And in many cases, it's overkill. The, some of the interesting benchmarks have to do with the frame rate of the, of the graphics cards, the video cards, the ability to you know get these very high frame rates. And that same capability in those GPUs make 
AI calculations and modeling really, really uh, great. And of course, mining crypto, which is very GPU intensive. That's another great use of, of that, um, that kind of computational capability. So yeah, you just have to, you have to learn a little bit more than you used to have to learn. The business has matured, Seth, and now there are specialized tools, literally specialized tools for every use case. A general computer, yeah, there's no such thing anymore. You can do anything on a PC. You go to buy at Best Buy, go buy yourself two, $3,000 worth of, of big honking desktop that with a nice GPU, it'll do anything. It won't do anything great. It'll do everything. But you can spend $500 to get something for a student that's going to be great for school. Sure. And you can go spend $25,000 for something that's great for editing and would be like driving a Ferrari to the supermarket if you were using it for class. All right. Last question on this. Um, a buddy of mine who was helping me uh, put together my computer when I told him uh, we were going to do the podcast and I said what the first episode was going to be about. He said, this is this is the question to end all questions. We can end on this. Take all your technology, take your M1 chip, take your AMD Ryzen 15s, whatever the hell they're called, and answer one question. Why on a MacBook are there no ports, but on a PC there are 25 ports? Why can't you be a happy medium and why does mac why does apple want everything to be wireless and pcs want everything to be wired wow man you have hit on my thing <laughs> my personal like thing um i have a couple of videos online where i just go dongle crazy on tim cook i just i've had enough the most wireless phone in the world had wires coming out of everywhere. The most wireless PC in the world had wires coming out of everywhere. And dongles, $40 dongles, $30 dongles, like, and, and dozens of them. I don't know what it is at the aesthetic in Cupertino that causes this group to think that somehow you want to drop 39 extra dollars on you know, some kind of dongle and or- Some adapter to or, get external or, drives or a, yeah. or a webcam for God's sakes? Uh, Elgato makes a $300 docking port for a MacBook. And my frustration with my all singing, all dancing, older 15 inch Mac, the one from 2019 or early 20, I just, I bought this thing. It's such overkill. And I was really mad. You spent $6,500 for a MacBook Pro, and then you have to spend another 300 some odd dollars with a docking port, just so you can plug some stuff into it. It only has four USB-C ports, terrible. But look, it is the way that Apple is. You just have to accept them with their, that's what you're buying into. It is way more fun, honestly, to have a lot of ports. But if you want a lot of ports, you buy a docking station. And by the way, nowadays, you know, Seth, I used to, that used to be what you said was 100% true, where there were millions of ports on a PC. But now the new motherboards only have a couple slots. A lot of stuff's on the motherboard. There's only a couple slots. And it's 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 not as easy to modify PCs or to add things as it used to be. You can obviously throw a graphics card in and maybe a sound card, but then you're out of slots. So it's like, yeah, there's a maybe an extra USB port or two. There might be an extra Ethernet port, depending. But at the end of the day, look, my advice to everybody is really understand your main use case and be honest about it. You may want the 64 core Threadripper AMD because it's cool and all the gamers are using it, but they have games that'll take advantage of all those cores. 
if you've got you're using Premiere Pro, maybe, you know, maybe it will, maybe it won't. But if you're using some older programs, you might get away with an eight core or a 16 core chip. You're going to save five, seven hundred, a thousand dollars on the PC immediately. Like, just be honest with what your use cases are. And also be honest about how long you keep PCs. You've had yours since 2014, Seth. That actually belongs in an antique showroom from, from my perspective. So you say, okay, the thing is a useful life of three years. That's one way to look at a PC. Six years, it's something else. What will I do with it when it's end of life? Like when but, are, but are Macs longer? No, definitely not. So they're, and they're much more expensive. And so the question becomes, what is the cost of computing in your world? And what are you willing to spend against it? And what's the special purpose you're using it for? And I, I think people, you know, the days of saying, oh, I'm just buying a computer. You should never do that now. What you should decide is, what are you going to do with this thing? What are you willing to spend on it? And how long do you think that's going to last? With at the speed with which these are improving, to think that something is going to do a job for you more than 36 months is wishful thinking, unless all you do is browse the internet and do email, in which case you can get a computer from 15 years ago. It's still going to do that. Not well, yeah. but it's going to do it. So I'm making, that's really an exaggeration, but, but a seven-year-old computer, six-year-old computer, if it can um, run- My old computer software, is fine to play Roblox on. If it can run current software, and that also that's another big problem. You know, there's a little bit of built-in obsolescence. All the manufacturers um, do what they can. The software people write software to the computers that are available now, and they only go back as far as is convenient for them. So you have to be wary of the idea that at some point the big hole in the ground that eats computers is going to open up and eat your computer. So just to sum it up, know your use case, know what you're willing to spend. Do not overbuy for ego it's just silly buy something purpose-built and and enjoy it and use it for what you specifically bought it for and if your use case changes consider another computer and just you know relegating yours to bitcoin mining this podcast is going to wind up costing me money all right uh, we are reaching the end of our maiden voyage and we are going to end this podcast with a segment that is going to become widely popular but it's the first episode so nobody knows about it yet it's called Ask Shelly. First episode, we have fake reader mail, not actual reader mail. This came off the internet today, though, and it was a question that I was asked, and it's a question I've been asked every single day for the last four weeks. Number one question from the internet last four weeks, crypto, paradigm shift or parlor trick? It's clearly a paradigm shift. So let's just quickly go over what you need to know about crypto right now. First, I'm not giving you any financial advice. I'm not a professional financial advisor. And do not take this as financial advice because that would be illegal and it would also get you in trouble. What I will tell you right now is that crypto is in a bubble. It is in a big bubble. And NFTs, non-fungible tokens, are driving some of it, but not all of it. Visa is getting in the game. Central banks are getting in the game. DeFi, decentralized finance, is, is a thing and you owe it to yourself to learn all about it. So you can either visit ShellyPalmer.com and do a little reading, or you can just go to Google and Google DeFi, Google NFTs, and Google crypto. I want you to understand that for every human being out there that knows what they're talking about, there are 100,000 that don't. And for every person that asks you to trust them in the crypto world, there are 5 million who you shouldn't trust. So pick your people carefully, 
we're totally happy to help. You can go to ShellyPalmer.com. We do the best we can to tell the story as straight as we can. You can learn to mine crypto at ShellyPalmer.com right now. Uh, Ethereum is the platform that we teach uh, this week. We'll be teaching Bitcoin. We are going to talk about NFTs and how to mint them. We talk a lot about what kind of tools you need to transact in cryptocurrency. We do not particularly hawk any individual cryptocurrency because that wouldn't be for us to do. You need an education. This is real. It's really going to happen. Feel free to ask your questions. We'll, be, we'll do our very, very best to answer them. The one thing that a lot of people that I've noticed just from reading social media is that people are worried about scams. Not saying Shelly Palmer has scams or ShellyPalmer.com has them, but that everyone seems to be an expert and they're going to try to get you to invest in their site. You know, PayPal's doing something, Venmo's doing something. Everybody seems to be an expert. What would you tell the person that's been getting email after email to you know, notifications on their smartphones. So in practice, Seth, major brands are doing this very slowly, conservatively, and in some ways clumsily because it's taking a long time. Caveat emptor is the motto of the day. Buyer beware. There's no version of this world where you should think about getting into this without first being fully educated. And that is an investment in time and energy. However much time you spent learning how to put your money in the bank or buy a stock or what you learned about banking and transacting, how you learned to balance your checkbook, any of the most fundamental things you learned about cash and US dollars, you don't have that understanding of how cryptocurrency goes from place to place, how, it is, how a transaction settled, what it means to have a crypto wallet. If this is not something you are first in, get good at it before you touch this. And I'm going to argue, believe no one but yourself. And that's going to require you to spend more time at this than you're probably going to want to. When I promise you there is no get rich quick scheme. There's no one's going to give you a tip. Oh, buy XYZ coin. It's going to you know, go up 800%. That's not a game anyone should play. And no one with a brain should play it. But that said, this is an important way to do business. Cryptocurrency, decentralized finance, this idea of distributed ledger technology, and even NFTs, non-fungible tokens, have a place in the ecosystem. You need to educate yourself. Not listen to me, not listen to anybody else. Just get online and go deep or don't touch it. And what you need to do is subscribe to this podcast. You can find it Tech Stream with Shelly Palmer and Seth Everett, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening to episode one. And don't forget iTunes markets podcasts because of ratings and reviews. So do yourself a favor. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review, drop us a rating, because that's how we get higher and higher up the iTunes charts. Shelly, have a great week. We'll see you next time. All right, Seth. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Thank you.